I would like to read with you uh, three different portions of Scripture. If you could turn, please, first to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 36. John 3 and verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I'll reread that. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Luke chapter 16, please. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, for another well-known portion. Luke chapter 16, and I'll start reading at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they, come to, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, he, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto them, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Turn, please, for a final reading in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter 3 and 9. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us were, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let me reread that. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us were, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The title I have over my message today is What Class are you in? And, you know, when I put this message together, I was thinking a lot about classes and 
You say, well, what's a class? Do you mean like a school class, Sunday school class? What do you mean? No, I, I mean class, classification of people. And, you know, we hear class talked about sometimes in the news and in other places. We hear people talk about the people that are in the rich class, that have a lot of money. People that are poor, they're in the poor class. People that are in the middle class. And then you hear all variations of that, upper middle class, lower middle class. That's what I mean by class. There's also classes of people that are educated and classes of people that are uneducated. There's classes of people that are techno-savvy, that know lots of things about technology and computers, and then there's classes of people who are techno-illiterate or, or ignorant, don't know much of anything about technology. There's all different ways that you can break up society into classes of people. Sometimes the classes overlap, sometimes they, they don't, they're very consistent. But what I'm concerned about here today is not rich or poor, because what I'm speaking about has nothing to do with how much money you have. I'm also not talking about educated or uneducated, because what I'm talking about has nothing to do with your uh, level of education. I'm also not talking about elderly or young people, if, that, if you could break that into a class, because it has nothing to do with age. And I'm certainly not going to talk about anything that regards technology and whether you're techno-illiterate or techno-savvy. What I'm going to talk about is the only two real classes of people in this world and the two most important classes of people in this world that you could possibly divide people into. And they're very simple. The two classes are saved and lost. Rich and poor, educated and uneducated, everything else doesn't matter. What matters is saved and lost. And in this meeting today, there are two classes of people. There's, there's not rich and poor, there's, there's not middle class, there's none of that. There's two classes of people that matter here in this meeting. And that's saved and lost. There's those of us that were saved, that gathered around that table this morning with the Lord Jesus Christ in our midst and worshipped Him. And then there's those that were not saved that watched us do this. There's those that are saved right now in the seats where they sit. And there's those that are not saved right now in the seats where they sit. Those are the only two classes that matter at all. Saved and unsaved. And I'd like to speak about an example of each. And as it happens, in this case, there's a rich man and a poor man, but it does not matter whether they're rich or poor. All that matters is that one was saved and one was lost. The example we read in Luke chapter 16 is one that's well known to everybody here. It's about Lazarus and the rich man. And in this example, Lazarus was the man that was saved. He was poor. He didn't have many things going for him. 
in life. And, you know, he, I'm sure he, I know we read that he struggled to get by every day. He wanted just to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But you know what? That doesn't matter. That's completely irrelevant for the purposes of what we're talking about today. Because it doesn't matter whether Lazarus was rich and poor, whether he had a hard life or an easy life. What matters is that Lazarus was saved. The other person that we read about there, the rich man, I'm sure he had a fairly easy life. I'm sure that things in his life came easy to him. He had lots of money. And he lived a good life. But you know, once again, it doesn't matter. Because he was in the class of people that are lost. Friend, there's only two classes of people. Saved and lost. Lazarus was saved. The rich man was lost. That's it. It's that simple. There's two classes of people in this meeting here today where, where I speak to. Some that are saved and some that are lost. Those that are saved, what does our future hold for us? Well, we have a future in heaven. We have a future that we will be with the one who died on the cross for our sins. <coughs> and we will be with Him for eternity. We will be in a place that is beyond the best place that any of us could imagine. Think of the nicest place you've ever been in your entire life. Um, you know, I think there's all of us have, most of us probably have various vacation spots that we've gone to in the past or various places that we've visited that we think to in our mind, yeah, I like that place. I know for, for me, whenever I think of a, of a nice place that, you know, that I look forward to going to every year, it's a place where my family goes on vacation every year, Ocean City, New Jersey. Some people might not think it's that nice, but I do. And so it's a place that I look to as being a really nice place. There's probably other places out there. But you know what? As nice as any of these places could be, they pale in comparison to what heaven is going to be like. Heaven will be much better than any of these places. It's much better than any of us can imagine. It's much better than anything on this entire earth. Because sin is here on this earth and sin corrupts things. In heaven there will be no sin. Everything will be perfect. There will be no tears. There will be no crying or sadness. Think about, think about life on this earth. You know, when you're young, you get some various disappointments and things. But for the most part, Life isn't all that bad when you're young. For the most part, you know, you go to school, you do whatever you do, you look forward to getting up every day. You know, but as you get a little bit older, and as more and more starts to pile on, 
of life, you start to lose a little bit of that positive outlook. And then generally, even those that are saved, there are times when life is just a grind. And when it just becomes, you go to work, you work all day, you come home, you're tired. Life is not perfect. Certainly a lot better because we're saved than it would be if we weren't saved. But still, even when you're saved, life is not easy. But friend, the hardest thing I will ever have to pass through is anything that will happen to me in this life. You got that? The worst thing that I could ever experience are the things that will happen to me in this life. And I may not have many bad things happen to me. Who knows? I may have a lot of bad things happen to me. But no matter what, they're the worst things that could possibly happen to me. Because I am going to a place that is so much better than anything here that it will just... I, I can't even... It boggles my mind to think of how wonderful a place heaven will be. That's the class of people that I'm in. I'm in the class of people that has a future that is much brighter than the present. Got that? My future is much brighter than my present. Because I'm in the class of people that are saved. We read about the rich man as well. And he's in the class of people that were lost, or that are lost. And the rich man died, and we read there that he lifted up his eyes, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Friend, I want you to think for a minute now about hell, the place where the rich man was speaking from. I want you to think about what a terrible place that's going to be. While I can't imagine how wonderful a place heaven is going to be, I also can't imagine how terrible a place that hell is going to be. We read some things about hell in the Bible. We read that it's a place of eternal torment. We read that there are there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth there. You know, contrast that to heaven. There will be no tears in heaven. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. Hell is going to be a terrible place. And friend, if you think about the worst possible way that you could die here upon this earth, think about the most painful, torturous death that you could possibly go through. It's not a pleasant thought, but think about it for a minute. You know, is it being nailed upon a cross? Maybe. Um, you know, when I was in school, they taught us about some torture that they used to perform in... in uh, the Far East, 
where they would make people's uh, sew their eyelids up and then face them so they had to stare into the sun and tie them down so they would go blind and not feed them and they would die that way. It's a terrible way to die. Think about how terrible it would be to, to die that way. But friend, you know what? Eventually they did die. Eventually that suffering that they had to undergo came to an end. Eventually, if I were to suddenly be engulfed in flames up here, eventually I would die. It would hurt, certainly, while I was going through it, but eventually it would be over. Do you understand the difference between that and what's going to happen in hell? The worst torture that you could possibly undergo here will eventually end. But friend, hell is going to be worse than the worst torture that you could go through here, and it will never end. It will never end. We read, where the worm dieth not. Friend, you won't die in hell. It won't come to an end. It's for eternity. You will suffer there for your sins for eternity in a place that is awful and that is beyond the worst of our possible imaginations. I can barely, barely understand what a terrible place that's going to be. It boggles my mind to think about it. But friend, what boggles my mind much more so is the fact that you and I and everybody here and everybody in the entire world does not need to go there. And yet some still do. Some still do. And some right in this meeting today, right in the seat where you sit, are on the path to that terrible place. Friend, you know, when I said before that my future is going to be much better than my present. That's because I'm in the class of people that are saved. If you're in the class of people that is lost, your present is the best that you're ever going to have. Your future is going to be much worse than your present. So I hope you really like life. I hope you really like and enjoy everything that's going on right now. I hope it's really, really good for you. Because it's the best that you're ever going to have. Your future will be much worse than your present. Friend, the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross. We all know this. Every, everyone that I'm speaking to here has heard the Gospel. You know, some of you, I, I have no idea how old exactly you are. I'm guessing, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And you figure you've been able to understand maybe the Gospel since maybe you were 5, 6, or 7. 
So what is that? That's maybe five or six years of hearing the gospel pretty much every week. How many weeks? 52 weeks in a year? Plus children's meetings? I would say that there's some here that have heard the gospel. Five times 52 is roughly 250. You know, you miss a couple weeks, but then you have children's meeting. Some that have heard the gospel at least 250 to 300 times here. And yet you're still in the class of those people that are lost. You've heard us proclaim week in and week out that there is an awful place called hell. There is a wonderful place called heaven. The only thing that you need to do to, be, to move from the one place to the other place in terms of where your future is going to be is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know this. You've heard it. So why, why are you still not saved? You know, the good news is that somebody who is poor, given the right opportunities, and given the right circumstances, can work his way out of their poverty and become rich. You can transcend classes economically. Somebody who's rich can actually become poor too. And friend, just as you can change classes in terms of economics, while you're still breathing, and while the Lord is still tearing with you, you have the ability to change classes in terms of whether you're saved or lost. Now the good news is, is that while a rich person can become poor, a saved person can't become lost. But the good news is, is that you that are lost still have the ability to move into the class of those that are saved. There's no guarantee on how long you're going to have that ability. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and 9, we read, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Long-suffering to usward. Got that? He has a lot of patience for us. Why? Because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants each and every person here in this audience to be in that class of people that are saved. He wants it so badly that 2,000 years ago He sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. He sent the very best of heaven to die for you so that you do not have to perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So friend... God has done God has done everything that needs to be done for salvation. He has done everything that needs to be done to move us from being lost to being saved. Salvation is done. It's there. What do you have to do? All that you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that He died for your sins. Now, let me ask you, do you think you can do this half-heartedly? 
Do you think that, well, you know, I'm going to think of 17 other things and then I'll also think about getting saved and, yeah, I guess I believe that, sure. No, friend, you can't. It has to be the top priority in your thoughts. And this isn't just a thinking thing. This is about believing with your heart. Putting your trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you upon the cross. There are so many analogies of trust and of things like that. There's the bridge, there's the ice. You know, I, when we drove by Lake Warmog this morning on our way here, we saw a whole bunch of people out on the ice, sitting around on chairs and ice fishing out on the lake. You know, those people, they could have sat on the shore and said, I believe that ice will hold me. And there, I think there was a couple of people jogging by and other things on the shore. But, you know, they might have been looking out and saying, yeah, I bet that ice could hold me. I believe it could. But only those people that were out on it were the ones actually putting their trust in it. So you could believe as much as you want that it would hold you. But those people that were out on it, sitting on it with their fishing poles in the holes in the ice trying to catch fish, those were the only people actually putting their trust in that ice. It's the same thing with salvation. You can move from being in the class that is lost to the class that is being saved simply by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, putting your trust that what He did there upon that cross was all that's required to save you for eternity. Salvation is that simple. You're making a decision right now. Whether you believe it or not, you're making a decision. You're deciding which class you want to be in. The good news is the Lord is long-suffering. And up to this point right now, you've still had the opportunity to change your mind about which class you're going to be in if you're lost. Friend, I can't guarantee you you're going to have another hour. can't even guarantee another minute. can't guarantee another day. can't guarantee another year, another five years. I can't guarantee how long-suffering the Lord is going to be for you. But friend, I do know that right now, right now you have the ability to move from being lost to being saved. To move from being in that class that is destined to that terrible place called hell whose future is going to be much worse than their present. To moving to that class that is saved. That class that is going to be in heaven for eternity. And that class that is going to be, have a future that is much better than anything in the present. I want you to think about this very seriously. Because I, I, know, I know we often don't put it in these, put our thoughts in this way. But friend, if you're not saved, in fact, if you had paper, I would ask you to actually write it down. Because sometimes it's a little bit more serious when we do it that way. And what would you write down? You'd write down, I choose not to believe. Got that? You're choosing not to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you think it or not. I choose not to believe, so therefore the wrath of God should come down on me. Because that's what the Bible says. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Friend, salvation is very simple. Simply put your trust in what 
the Lord Jesus Christ did for you upon that cross. You'll be saved now and for eternity. There's nothing else that needs to be done. It's very simple. You'll move from that class of being lost to being saved. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Right in the seat where you sit, you'll have everlasting life. You'll be in that class of people that are saved. Saved! Not lost. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Friend, our prayer and our hope is that every single person in this audience would truly be in that class of people that are saved. You can do it right now where you sit. You can be saved for eternity. In closing, I'd like to sing a hymn, hymn number 251. Almost persuaded, now to believe, almost persuaded, Christ to receive. Seems now some soul to say, go spirit, go thy way. Some more convenient day, on thee I'll call. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail, almost, but lost. We sincerely hope that the class that is spoken of in that last verse, lost, would not be the class of anybody here today. Simply believe and you'll be saved. We'll pray, and then we'll sing this hymn. Our Heavenly Father, we would thank Thee that Thou hast sent Thy Son to die on the cross. And Father, we would thank Thee that Thou hast provided a means of salvation whereby all can be saved. And Father, we would thank Thee that Thou art long-suffering. Thank Thee that Thou dost have great patience for those that are not saved. And Father, we would just pray that Thou wouldst come in in each of their lives. Pray that they may realize their lost condition, and we would just pray that they would be saved. We would just ask Thee for Thy help and Thy blessing and salvation here this day. In His loving and precious name, Amen. Oh.